2: This is the Scummy Mummies Podcast. Hello, I'm Innie Gibson. I'm Helen Thorne. And who have we got today on the podcast? We've got Cindy V, Ellie! Yes! Yes, hello, I'm so excited to be on this podcast. You
3: almost sounded sincere. No, but I swear to God, you know that I'm genuinely excited because it's...
2: I've heard about you guys for so
3: long and now you've asked me to be on this.
2: Oh, well, because we've heard about you for so long and, you know, even though you're more talented than us, we're not afraid. (laughs) You've been
4: on the actual telly, listeners. Like
2: comedy telly. I know. I know. People,
4: like, lots of people laughed at you. Yes. They Have you did. been on, like, BBC telly? Not just like we've been
2: on. Yeah. <laughs> like Dave and W. Like, hey, yeah. we've been on London Live. Don't, oh, yeah. don't, don't do yourself down. Don't do yourself down. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, Sindhu, why don't you introduce yourself? Who is Sindhu V? Oh, my gosh, Sindhu V is me.
3: I am a comic. I am a wife. I am a mother. Not in that order, actually. Okay. I'm what order a, would you put it in? Okay, so the order is, I am A mother. I'm a comic, yeah. I'm a wife, and I'm a daughter, and I'm a very good friend to a few of my girlfriends. Uh, I mean, I'm like I'm a bad friend to the others, the others are just not that important to me. <laughs> <laughs> but if this podcast goes to India, then the order is, I'm a mother, a comic,
4: a daughter, a wife, and mm-hmm. a good friend to some of my girlfriends. Right. So
2: that's who I am.
4: That's, that's the hierarchy. That has it has yes. to be. Sorted. Who, yes. Who makes you worry the most? It's the children? By by I mean by a factor of three thousand, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
3: I mean obviously they're your kids. Yeah. You know, you would you would skin yourself alive for your kids and hate them the whole time, but you <laughs> do it. Oh,
4: absolutely. Cut <laughs> yeah. off one arm yeah. Yeah. while still shouting at
2: them. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. see
4: what you made me do? Hack, hack. <laughs>
2: You know what I mean? <laughs> We've all done it. Yes, yeah. yes. You if brains. you don't put your shoes on, I'm going to take another toe off my left foot. Yeah, <laughs>
3: come on. Yeah, yeah. Except in India, mothers do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they do. And you know this. They're, yeah, and people mock it, but they do. My my mother would say, <laughs> "Wow, okay." So just put we're some, going we're going in we're deep. We're going just in. Go. Put this in perspective. This is in the 80s in India. In you know, in at at a, at a time where we didn't know things. And, you know, I remember my my mother took a tray, it was a melamine tray, and she whacked it on her head and said, see, that's how you make me feel. So if you don't, I was like, holy crap. And I was like, I want to see that again. Uh -uh." But I knew the second time would be on me. So I waited. And then a week later, she got upset at my sister and did it again. Wow. And we were like, there, bingo, got it. It was hilarious. But we always knew the second one was for us, so then we didn't didn't push it on that occasion.
2: I've never heard of self-harming with a tray as a parenting technique. Self-harming sounds so serious.
3: (laughs) Being annoyed that... You have a hundred thousand things going on, there's floods outside, your kids are not getting ready. Yeah. Instead of bashing them, what do you do? Take a train. And it's also very comical. It is so comical. And now we talk about it sometimes. I say, Mommy, remember when you
2: took the tray? She said, Yes, it was my beautiful rose melamine tray. She even remembers the tray. <laughs> So do you think there is definitely a difference sort of in parenting style between Indian parenting or and, and the UK? Or is it just, I mean, every parenting style is different, really, isn't it? I think that
3: there is, I think Asian parenting is different. I think every style is different. But you have, if you broadly divide the world into West and not West, it's different. Mm. You know, um, when I had kids here, I realized that, it, you know how you don't realize, you know how when you walk into a room and then you see all the things that are in the room, and then you're like, oh, I can smell roses. What's that smell? That's how a lot of what I became aware of about UK parenting was like to me. I'd be there in the room with the moms and we'd be doing... Then suddenly I'd be like, what's that smell? They'd be like, oh, these people think kids are fragile. It would come to me like that. Mm. India, you think your kids are resilient. So, you know, you, here the fear is, oh, if we they'll, they'll break. We think our kids will bend like a bamboo reed. You know what mm. I mean? So we're constantly trying to get them to bend in the shape that we think is the right shape by hitting ourselves over the head with the tray, or uh, by telling instances. them that yeah. you know, fine, you will be a failure and I will be sad. Then you see. <laughs> <laughs> that's what my mother also used to say to me. Fine, you will be a failure and I will be crying. Then you see, and you'd be like, oh, that's very. But it's also very specific. Yeah, you will be a fa- and 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 very certain. Mm. You, she never said you'll be a failure and then then you see. No, and then I'll be crying. Your parents when when. When I was growing up, our parents always let us know that if we didn't do well, it would be terrible for us, but it would break them as well. Mm. So you wanted it. By yourself. You're like, I'm taking the whole fucking ship down. God damn it. I'll go study for my math test. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah,
4: very right. motivational, though. Super. Yeah, yeah. Super. I mean, everyone needs an Indian mother, I feel. I think that's a, it. Yeah. Or do they? <laughs> <laughs> you,
3: know, I, you know, I think my mother was particularly tough. Mm. Uh, she came from a very feudal background where women were just not rated, full stop. She didn't have a birth certificate because they didn't want to mark the birth of their daughters. It was what... So, so. so girls were not rated. And so in that environment, if you do decide to then make your daughters something, as my mother decided she had two daughters, you don't know exactly how to go about it. You're not used to motivating girls with positives. First of all, they're a girl, already they're fucking behind. So you motivate them. It, is a, it was for my mother life and death, not in reality, but metaphorically. If her daughters couldn't become financially independent, do what they wanted, she would, she may as well have died because she wanted us to never have to experience those things good luck for her her good luck was my dad is a south indian also just a very enlightened man would never have pulled that shit on us but she didn't know that plus she'd never really liked my dad so that was always a thing i mean she kind of loved him but never really liked him at all and Mm. he still hasn't figured it out 58 years later i'm like do you not know she doesn't like you dad (laughs) you can't say that to him he's bad
4: yeah no i often think that in my head from my own father like the reason she does all this stuff she doesn't hang out with you Yes. She's, she's over you like she's, she's tired mother no, was
3: never into you she's not over you she's just never she's just
4: you are just her husband she loves you she'll serve
3: you she listens to you Yeah. but she thinks you're an idiot it's a business arrangement with an idiot is Yeah. What I was saying but also they didn't have a total arranged marriage and so I keep saying to her you had a love marriage what we call an India love marriage she said no I did not I'm like but it wasn't arranged why are you asking me stupid questions I'm like no but I want to know she said fine what do you want to know I was whore I'm like, no, let you're a whore All right,
2: drop it. And then you stop the conversation. <laughs> oh the old whore technique. Yeah,
0: exactly.
2: <laughs> okay. Okay, sure. she's like, don't make me get the tray again. Yeah. Don't make me get the tray. <laughs>
4: it's like behind glass, break in case of emergency. In case oh, yeah. of failure, Sindhu. But you, you you did go on to be a success. It was do you attribute that? that your mother was essentially a feminist. Yes. She wanted you to do very, very well. There was because lot... I was a woman. That yeah. was the part. My father wanted me to do well because I was his daughter.
3: My mother was like, you are a woman, do not fuck this up. Mm. You know, and I like that, her. And that was like, wow. Oh, she sounds
2: like sort of Indian RuPaul. <laughs> Don't fuck it up. <laughs> yes. You know,
3: and I mean, she's... And, but, you know, a lot of her ideas could be construed by younger feminists of today as contrary. Mm. You know, the idea that you must be married. Because she always sitting. to me, what's the point being a woman if you can't have a child? I say. If, you, if you're not a mother, what are you doing? Then just having free ovary, just like that. It's like, what? She, these phrases she uses. just having a free ovary. <laughs> what is it for? We, just like running through the fields, no, going it, out to bars? No, it's like, it, it's not in use. Right. Oh. But it's because my mother genuinely saw her you know developed herself through her love for her children as well and she went on to do very great things and you know when i was 16 17 so i was a grown-up pretty much but anyway yes so it was very much because we were women we had to do well because the world was harder for us so we had to work harder Mm -hmm. but like she used to always say walk with your chest out because you can own the world
2: Oh yes <laughs> see often for a show we say tits and teeth it's yeah. the same It's, 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 it's same. that's the that's,
4: that's, that's <laughs> translation it I is think. tits and teeth Yeah. and so she used, she made me believe
3: I could do anything I wanted provided I was married to the right man I had a good job so never let anyone question you she was always there you know she came in she came for all the three childbirths she did my she, she did nights with my first child wow So I went back to work she did nights wow yeah she would come and wake me up and say here feed him Oh my goodness! Okay, he's feeding. Okay, now sleep. I will take him, and she would just leave. Oh my oh, God! What an exactly. Angel. Because she was like, I am not allowing this baby to take away your job. I know you. You are very stupid. You are as maternal as your father. Because <laughs> my dad is the softest It's like I'm as maternal. So she used to be so scared that I would quit my job because I had this baby. She loved him, but she was like, it's just a baby. Women have babies. So it was this weird combination of you've got to have a baby, but it's just a baby. Mm. I think my mother's motto when we were growing up, which she lived, was don't make a fuss and be great.
2: Wow. That was it. Just this this is room. just motivational quote. Oh. After, I, want, I want that on a picture of a sunset. <laughs> I want that in cross-stitch on don't my wall. Don't make a fuss, just be great. Don't make a fuss, just be great. Oh, that was her motto. That, that's how she lived her life.
3: Yeah. And she was tough, man. Mm. I, you, you talk talking about trays on her face, so don't even ask what happened to us. But, you know, and tough. And I remember once I was in a... I was in a convent. I was in a school, which was a convent, and I had a stammer. I had a stammer into my early twenties, uh, but at that time it was that moment where I was just learning to leave my stammer. Um, and I wrote an article about this for the Guardian for stammering, which I'd never really looked back at how brutal it was to have, because no one took it seriously. Mm. I remember I would be at the table trying to say something. My mother would say, "Oh, it's taking a long time. Bye 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 Just shut up." And wow, we'd talk about something else. You'd be like, "Okay." And my father would say, "Now, now, let her take her time." My mother would say, "I do not have a whole day for this stupid story. Write it." <laughs> I would then have to write. She just had no time. Text me. Just text me. Show <laughs> her sure picture. Shut up. <laughs> anyway, oh, my God. So I, I entered into a debating competition because I think I always wanted to speak. And they were the older girls. And you know, in a girls' school, it's all very hierarchical and this and that. And I got second prize. I got a little cup. And it was a big deal. And I came running home. Uh, and I ran and I said, Mommy, mommy, I got this cup. And she was having her afternoon nap. My mother's had an afternoon nap every day that I've known her. My whole life. So having a nap. nap. And I was like, oh, oh, I was too too loud. She woke up and then she was having her tea and she said to me, Why were you shouting during my nap? And I said, Oh look, I got this second second prize. And she said, For what? And I said, For debating. She said, Oh, you debated. And she said, It's a so it's not very big. I said, No, it's second. She said, Don't ever again disturb my nap, because you came second.
2: <gasps> oh, yikes like Top Gun man no
3: prizes for second place wow and I remember thinking if I cry she's going to whack me so I didn't say anything and then I told my dad who was like that's amazing it's a good job but you know it was brutal and the the best thing is I've gone back and spoken about all this with my mother and Mm. said you said this and it was and she said I did it was very horrible what I said because you know I was in very bitchy place and who to take out on but the children can't take out on the husband so I took it out I'm very sorry and I hope in this life or next life I can repay the karma. See, when your parent apologizes to you and says, You were right, I was an asshole. Yeah, it washes away so much. Mm. So we've been through that, mommy and me, because I have called her too, to task and said, Hello, you said this, you said this, you said this. Because she doesn't ever let me be tough on my kids. Not that I'm even vaguely like her, but mm. even when I try to be, she always says, Be quiet, it's my grandson. Do you want to slap? <laughs> And my kids always find it hilarious.
4: And I yeah. Do they
3: do they love her? Do they Oh they yeah, she's she's enmeshed with them. Mm, you know. Yeah. But at the same time what's funny is once they came home you, you guys have two kids each, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when, when I didn't have the third and they were making noise and I was really tired. I wasn't well, but I'd picked them up from school and they were making noise and they were saying, I want this, and I want this in my milk and my mother said to them, Hey, look at it. Look at it, your mother. She's tired and you too, as if you are blind. You don't see she's tired. You mm. get up from here and stop making noise. Go and make her a tea. I was like, Ma, the youngest one is three. <laughs> she was like, so what? Stand next to the tea when the big <laughs> one makes it. But she also taught them to have... Put the sugar in. You're not incompetent. <laughs> you have arms. You have arms and eyes. Yes. Yeah. I see you eating with your own hands. so put it then. But she taught them because I feel like sometimes children are... Society is like, oh, as a mother, you're always there for your kids. And you know, mm. No one teaches the kids that mothers have feelings, especially when they're little. Well, my mother certainly taught them.
2: My, that's one of my favourite things my mum ever says. Is Sometimes she, she would just say, Mummy's tired. Mummy yeah. doesn't need this. Yes. Come on. And yes. they do listen. Yes. They wouldn't take that shit from me. No, ah, fuck mm-hmm. you. I don't care if you're fucking tired. Yeah, this yeah. is your fucking job. Yeah. But-, <laughs>
4: but I am thirsty, Mummy. Bring me my drink. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: I know, I know. Mm-hmm. And so she didn't. And so that was good. Yeah. Yes. But- so how much of the, you, just going back to your, your mum wanting you to be successful, because before you were a comedian, you worked in banking, right? So how much of an influence was your mum on that decision to go into that No, no, I was doing a PhD in philosophy, so obviously I was not listening to my
3: parents. Right. I wanted to be a professor in philosophy, which in India is... My mother used to say to me, oh, every girl who does philosophy is only one... Marry her at 18, she doesn't want to study. That was the attitude. So when I came abroad and started doing philosophy and a PhD, my parents were like, hello. Um,
4: So so you went to Oxford, is that right? uh, Here,
3: yeah. Yeah. I uh, I went to Oxford, yeah. That was how I got out of India. Not that I was desperate to get out, but because I got a scholarship. Mm Because how else can anyone afford it from India, you know? Um, So I think what my mother was... My mother wanted me to get married. And she wanted me to marry someone of her choice, um, which was the right way in India in those days. And she wanted to make sure that I was secure. So she she didn't mind about the PhD in philosophy. She was like, okay, you will not be rich. You will be poor, because teachers are poor. But it's a noble cause. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. So then when I moved to banking... She was, and I wasn't married, she was happier because she thought, she always said to me, you know, woman who has no husband, no children, but she has money, world will bow at her feet. Mm. So she's like, because you're, you're 27, you're not married, it's never going to happen to you, at least you're going to have some money. That was mm. her attitude to banking.
2: Guys, I think I've made some terrible mistakes, I've got to go. just <laughs> <laughs> sort this out, i going to get some money. But for her, the hierarchy is married, children, and then anything else. Right. But since you were a
3: failure in the other two by 27, <laughs> uh, you may as well have this. Yeah. And uh, then when I decided to get married, she was very supportive. So it's not that I did the specific things. Mm. But I think the attitude and the grit I have brought to whatever I've done is very much the result of being raised by this particular woman.
2: Mm. And the comedy as well? She must be proud of the comedy. She's so
3: funny. She is so funny, my mother. People, the Starbucks lady in my neighborhood, when I go in there says to me when's your mom coming I'm like how okay doesn't know my name no she knows her name so when is Mrs. V back I'm like I can't even believe (laughs) you know because mommy's funny and she's very forthright
2: and the older she's gotten the less of a shit she's given you know so um, It's, it's tough you know because we um, so my dad he's an old comedian from back in the day really and now he doesn't do comedy anymore but he roadies for us so he drives us around the country and he's a hilarious old buffer so obviously we like take insta stories of him and put it on the internet so so we take the yeah he's so good and now he's got his own fucking cult following he's got people like come to the show and go is your dad here they come to the book signing like like, do you want to sign your book
4: um, and look look past us Uh, yeah and I went to the book like I went to do like the meet and greet afterwards and Ellie's dad is having a I had to walk past the women lining up to meet him
2: so I could like sell our books I I was like I mean in your own time ladies yeah exactly what I'm saying is my dad and your mum could be the greatest comedy double act the (laughs) world's ever seen absolutely and I
3: I mean I think the thing is that you know mummy is very 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 charismatic very funny but I think that also comes from her having known she knows who she is because she's taking a lot of knocks Um, so she's very supportive of the comedy very supportive because she's my parents didn't really encourage any kind of creative... You can't be an actor and all that, right? But apparently, I was a lot like this when I was little. I used to put on puppet shows. And I remember, but no one came. My dad came. No one else came. My mother was like, puppet show? That's my bed sheet. What puppet show? So it's like, oh, oops. You know, Mommy was always annoyed when we were little. She was constantly annoyed. And I think it's because she was managing, having no outlet for her ambition. Mm. That's what was happening.
2: So it wasn't even just about the sort of drudgery that we all know of looking after kids and kids are annoying. You think it was because she didn't have an outlet for... Yeah.
3: I have a lot of friends who don't find it drudgery-ish, but no. they don't want to do other things. Mm. And they're very. And I'm not saying that in a pejorative way. Mm. They just, they're very happy and their kids are extraordinary. But that's all they're doing and they're very, you know, e- either they've had huge careers, so now they're doing this or whatever, some haven't even done that. They just wanted to have kids and mm. their, their houses are amazing. They're baking cakes and gluten-free this and that. Beautiful. Mm.
2: My mother had other ambition. Mm. And, and good for you, again, if, if that's your thing. Like, yeah, absolutely. And see,
3: she, yeah, exactly. Very good for you. I mean, I, I think that's great. But you don't know those things when you go into mm. being a mother. You think, I'm a person and I'm, I have a child and this is how it goes. And my mother didn't know. And, you know, she had very few outlets. Mm. And uh, my father was very senior in government. He was a civil servant, and so she had a very important role as his wife. But obviously, and I think that's why she was so unhappy. Mm. And by unhappy, I mean furious. Furious, just yeah. fucking furious all the time.
4: Yeah, because I was going to say, it doesn't sound like she was at peace. Because I know some women are very at peace when they, mm. they, all they have is their children and the house. And they have their social life around, you know, they yeah. play cards or whatever. Yeah. No, mommy or, had shit to do, and when I was
3: 16, she went and did it. Yeah, And that's when she became happier. Mm -hmm. My mom trained to be a drug and alcohol therapist and started the first non-profit drug rehab in India.
2: Wow. What a woman. (laughs) I am No offence, Cindy, but why isn't she on the podcast? (laughs) She sounds amazing. Let's go to India. Is she still in
3: India, your mom? She is in India. She is in India. She's very much in India. She's older now. And um, I think, you know, she did that. And When you're a 16-year-old girl, you are no longer a child. So you see your mother and you can recognize... And a lot of other things fall into place, and I think that's what happened. Mm -hmm. And my mother, my mother asked me some years later. She asked me to go and stay in a rehab program um, called Family Program, uh, which is sort of designed for people who are in Al-Anon, but it's also for people who come from dysfunctional families. So she booked me into this in the United States while I was studying in Canada, and said, "You should go and you." I booked you, and you're going.
2: Because well, she thought you had a dysfunctional family problem or an
0: alcohol that, problem? But she was a
3: therapist. Every therapist thinks their family is dysfunctional. That's what happens. I mean, to every therapists. family is dysfunctional. Yeah, right? but every therapist is like, let's talk about this.
0: Uh, right, Everyone okay. else
3: is like, just give me a drink and let's fucking move on. You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, so she did that. And I said to oh, her, why are you sending me there? She said, because I want you to recognize how much you hate me and look at it. And I want you to understand it. And then I'm, when and then when you come out, I want you to spend the time telling me what you think. I thought that was, at the time, I was like, I can't believe I had to do this. In retrospect, it was so brave of her to put me yeah. in that program five days. And I came out and I was like, I never want to talk to anyone in my family again. And she was like, I'm ready.
2: What do you do in the five days? Do you just sit around hating your mom? Like, what do you no, do? you work out why your family was
3: the way it was. What we, like, for example, you try and understand that your mother was very tough whacking her face into trees. Right. Because she didn't get a place for her ambition. Yeah. And as a child, it's not your fault. But what are you supposed to do? Yeah, You work through that kind of shit. Mm. And then you come out and you think, well, these were adults. Fuck them. They should have known. Then you don't talk to them. And then you work on it. And then me, and then your mum and your best friends. I mean, we talk five times a day.
2: Wow. Mm. Oh, that's amazing. Fucking wise. I want to go on a five-day holiday <laughs> to talk about me, mum. Sounds brilliant.
3: You're 12 people in the group and it's intense. Ooh. Some of these people really, it's, it's intense, intense. But does
4: that make you feel better? Are there people more fucked up with?
2: Than new... you by far yeah I oh, mean that, far, I mean far, that's, far. that's
4: that's why I like I mean that's, it's
2: like when you first do open mic comedy and like you know you may not be the funniest but you're very rarely the shittest yeah but yeah, exactly. I mean I
4: have
3: friends I've just did friends with for that reason because so I see them once every couple of months and I end up feeling much
4: better about my life
2: yeah <laughs> no I mean we've all got those yeah. I mean yes. that's great so so you know you're saying about your mum she didn't, was comedy the outlet because you started doing comedy after you had kids three kids yeah, yeah. I just did comedy it just oh, it, I'd never seen live stand up when I started doing it. When right. The first time
3: I did stand-up, I'd never seen it before. I'd seen so a DVD. Why did,
2: but then why, how did
3: you... Like, you know, I'm starting to think I have to come up with a different answer because the answer I have is so banal that people are like, no, really. I'm like, I swear to God, really. Um, Should I just tell you what the thing yeah. is? Yeah. So I'd never thought about doing stand-up. People always said, oh, you're really funny. Ha <laughs> ha, see, you're so funny. But they didn't to say that because I, I told jokes, but they weren't my jokes. They were just jokes I'd heard. Um, but they would say, oh, you're very funny. They started saying it more the deeper I got, the deeper I was drowning in kids. Mm. I started hearing it more. And I think what was happening was I was getting darker and darker in my comedy, and I really stopped giving a fuck about what I was saying. So I would just say things at the school gates, for example, that mothers would be like, holy shit. (laughs) But it would be funny because it was dark. Mm. You know? Um, Like, I remember when my kid came to me and said he's been chosen to play football on the D team. And I remember thinking, D team? There's three teams, A, B, C. D is like what they call the kids on the bench who they never call up. Mm. so I looked at my kid and he's like will you come watch me play and I was like no because like, I don't want to be ashamed I mean you're never going to be called out and then I thought this is not the English thing to do I was like but you know it's all the playing is important how come Good. okay fine don't come to me with no second prize. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I was like, I can't. And then when I told at the school gates, a lot of moms were shocked, but a lot laughed. They were like, "Cause of course you, so all of us are standing there on a rainy pitch. Our kid's never going to get called up,
2: yeah. Do you know. Mm-hmm. But you
3: go, and you want to shoot yourself in the face, yeah.
2: <laughs> in all the holes, yeah, in oh. every yeah. hole,
3: yeah. yeah. You know, and and you question everything about your life. Meanwhile, your kid is running exactly opposite
4: to where the ball is. Yeah.
3: Mm. And you're thinking, what have I fed you that you're...
4: Yeah, how, how have we come to this? How
3: can you not all see? All the things, yeah. How are you in front of, you know, Thomas the Tank and seeing the tank if you can't see the ball, where it is and where are you?
2: Yeah. Mm.
3: You know, so I, st- and I think that's what happened. I think I was getting... I think my ambition, mm. my desire to do something was going nowhere. It was percolating down the sink. And my, resp- my coping mechanism has always been funniness um I was much skinnier I want to say so some things were very good I of, of, often think back to that time and think I had n- none of this right just just so you know I wasn't
2: all bad <laughs> <in my heart.
3: laughs> you were I mean, you were miserable but thin so skinny misery suits me you have no idea how oh, much when I much. Just, oh, used to
2: you. smoke oh, I was so thin I mean <laughs> I mean I was giving myself cancer but I was thin god just damn it. And no, I, it
3: I I just quit Anyways, so I think I was in that kind of space. And also, nothing nothing will make you question your marriage than being deeply unhappy with your own shit. Mm. So I was like, oh, so I have no, I'm uh, really no career. Three kids are great. Do I really like this guy?
4: Yeah, is no, it, probably not. You know, not I mean, right now. Yeah,
3: what does it mean? I think my hair is falling. You know, I have a friend who's having an affair. She's obviously doing the right thing. I'm not doing, you know, this, this kind of, that kind of mental. Was it with your husband? No. <laughs> I take the pressure off. Save your job, save yeah. your job. <laughs> no, but you know, no, because my husband has always been very busy. So he's not been around a lot. But you know, that, that's fine. He's very involved, but he, someone's got to pay the bills. So I think and it was in that mind space. I was sitting there. And my parents were visiting three kids. I could hear them downstairs uh, talking and playing and whatever. And I was sitting in front of my email, I guess, or maybe looking at Facebook. And then an email came through. And it was from a woman I had vaguely known. when I, I had a fashion business briefly, uh, ethical fashion business, whatever. It went bust. I, it, I closed it down so the crash was coming. Mm. And that, then I put all my banking money into that. So mm. straight back to zero after that. Anyway, um, and I knew her vaguely. And it came and it said, I, I'm doing stand-up for charity. <laughs> she was the least funny woman I've met in my life. <laughs> so I thought, let me open this email because what is this? Yeah. And then, and I, and I opened it, and it was like, oh, blah, 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 and can you, you know, I'm doing this, 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 please give money. Why? You're doing it. You do it. Yeah, yeah. So remember, at the bottom was the logo of Funny Women UK, who I'm sure you guys know. Yeah. And I thought, what is this? I clicked it. It went to the website, and it was like, we are this, we do this, this, this. Do you think you're funny? Here's a workshop. There was a workshop that evening in Leicester Square, downstairs in the small, uh, Leicester Square Theater small space. I thought, you know what? I literally looked at email and I thought, I don't know if I'm funny. People say I'm funny. My husband's away for a week. My kids are downstairs. My parents are here. All my friends are fulfilled right now with being at home, being mummies. I'm not. I'm going to go to this fucking thing. I'll meet someone. They'll drink at least. And I paid it eight pounds. And I got up that evening and I went. Never seen live stand-up. Didn't know what to expect. Walked in. Eight women. Lynn, Karen. Lynn Parker. Karen Rosie. Did the workshop? At the end of which, they came to me and said, "You need to enter our awards." And I was like, "No, thank you." I this was not. And they didn't no, no one even said, "Shall we go for a drink?" So that was a massive fail, royal fail. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, but it was fun. It was interesting. The one thing it made me realize is that other people who didn't know me thought I was funny. Not just my friends. Yeah. And then they emailed a couple of times, and I just ignored. I didn't tell anybody. And then I went to India with the kids, came back, and they left a voicemail for me. And so the last awards and heats in London are this, and just come along, it'll just be us. I guess I just thought, you know, fine. Mm. So I went, didn't tell anyone, went. When they said just us, I thought it would be like you and me in this conference room. No, no, it was in, a, it was in Soho. You know, I'd never been to Soho after have, have, having kids. Uh. I just d- didn't have a situation where you would go there. Went there, got on stage. There was a woman, there was like 11 comics, and this one woman said, I can't believe I'm going to be in the heats, I've been doing comedy for 11 years now. How long have you been going? I was like, oh, sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. No, that's hard. I, don't, I was totally out of body. Three stories about me and my mom, and how my mom came to me when I was 24 in Canada and said, you don't what? want to marry any of the boys I have picked. Are you Lisbeen? <laughs> And I was like, no, that's not, no one is in fact a Lisbeth <laughs> and I'm not. She thought that could be the only reason. Yes. I remember I was standing backstage and the woman in front who was on stage had spoken to some woman in the audience and I couldn't see it. And that woman had said she's Faroese and my husband is Scandinavian. So I spoke to her in Danish from the stage and that got like, people do not expect me to break into Danish, let right. me tell you that. And then I got off stage and I got, I went straight to the semifinal. But I think it was that being on stage that, and you guys are moms, you'll appreciate this. It was a moment where I was completely free-falling, but I had some skills, and I was not taking drugs. And it was new, and it was different, and it was just me in a microphone. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah,
2: yeah. Oh yeah. my
3: God, who doesn't want that when you have three kids and you know your routine day in and day out, and, day, and you haven't slept because you have a two-year-old yeah it's
4: like a high like nothing else
2: yep. and it's just you it's just, just me you well sometimes it's just you and me just you and me <laughs> but, these days but yeah it.
3: and you know what you don't have to ask anyone you yeah. don't have to be good at another thing your kid doesn't have to be good at their studies you don't have to, it's not about whether they're good at, it's just you it begins and ends with you you don't have to you're not depending on anyone I think those are the things that got me hmm and then I went back and I joined Logan Murray's course and did all that stuff. And I took a long time, I took a long time, you know, two and a half years from that moment mm. to start doing it in any kind of organized way. But I did a lot of reading because yeah. I'm a I'm a nerd, yeah. You know, so I read 50 books on stand up mm. and read read books on shit I'm never going to need to do with stand up. You know. Um, and how. how to tell a racist joke, things like that. <laughs> oh, no, that's my mother has written the manual on that. Oh, yes, good. Uh, no, more like how to write a script for... You know, at that time, I was not... right, But I just read a lot. Mm. And also, like, in school when I would watch on YouTube, mm. I didn't know who Eddie Izzard or Billy Connolly were mm. when I started stand-up. But people are like, what? I'm like, why would I? I didn't grow up here. I grew up in yeah. India. I came here, worked my ass off, had these kids... What's a the stand-up scene in India like now? There's a scene, right, and it's mm. great. Yeah, uh, but I th- but it's not part of the traditional repertoire of, of comedy because we have Bollywood. Thank you. Yeah. We don't need anything else. You have entertainment. We have the biggest inter- filmmaking, you know, yeah. industry in the world. Yeah, mm. most most prolific.
2: And then you went from strength to strength. So then you, you got really far... You were finally, weren't you, in the BBC New Comedian. And was that, that a whoosh you moment? Know what, you know what? It's all You You guys would have had this. No one...
3: Everyone starts thinking that you came out of nowhere mm. when they finally recognise you, you know? It's like me. It's like when I do... I'm really into true crime podcasts. So every time I... Like, I thought I was the first person to ever listen to Serial. Yes, of <laughs> course.
2: Yes. Six months ago.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. I like, oh, have you heard Serial? Have... Ahead of the game. And Ahead have... of the game. And everyone was
2: like, yes, we know about Serial. Yeah. My didn't... dad told me to watch the Fire Festival documentary the other day. I was like, okay, that's over. That's yeah. definitely over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, Exactly. So, in that way,
3: so between the time I did the Funny Women semifinal and the time I did the BBC, I would go on, I would try and go to open mics that didn't need you to sign up before. Mm. So you had to get there by a certain cutoff. And I was like, if everyone's homework's done, I could jump on the tube Mm. and get to wherever I had to go,
2: which are always way out places. Mm. And always terrible, terrible pubs, terrible
3: lighting. Exactly. So uh, there was years of that, years of that, and years of just setting an alert on my phone to re-email a promoter who would not get back to me Mm. just to say, please, may I have five minutes? Years of that. So in 2015, January, I started gigging. I made a commitment to gig twice a week. Commitment. So I got babysitters in place and all that jazz. Um, twice a week is nothing. Mm. All my younger comic friends were gigging seven days a week. But twice I was like, OK, I'm going to commit to this. And I did it every single day, come hell or high
2: water. I yeah. did the same as you. I, I decided I was going to do 100 gigs in a year. Oh. Uh, my husband was not over the moon about it. <laughs> he was like, You're off your fucking chops. But I was like, I'm going to, this, this is the only way not only to get good at this, but to find out like, if I'm any good at this and if I want to do this. Did you do this. 100 gigs in a year? I did, yeah. Holy cow.
3: Yeah. I'm not saying I put in 15 years. I was lucky that I put in three, four years before I... Oh, three years. Yeah, three and a half years before,
2: which is not a lot in stand-up. No. So I tell you what, I feel in, inordinately lucky mm. as well. Um... So what's what's now what's next? What's going? So you did Edinburgh. You did your debut hour at Edinburgh last year, and, and that so went that, really well. Yeah, that got nominated, and that has been stratospheric. Yeah, that's been stratospheric. Well, congratulations! Thank you. Mm. Um, we're we're doing our first Edinburgh this so summer. Have you exciting. got any tips? What are your tips? Never mind exciting. We what need about to us? know what about how to be. Yeah, of course, successful. Don't don't take your kids.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've never taken my kids to Edinburgh. I, yeah, I don't. No, don't I don't, don't, don't take to. your kids. Just listen. You wouldn't take them in to work. If you were going to an office job. Mm-hmm. Work is work. Mm-hmm. Live well. You're not 19. So mm-hmm. don't do that 19-year-old living accommodation shit. It's no. no there, there's no reason. Scummy mummy is doing so well, so fuck it. Party. Oh, party hard. I partied so hard. However, space it out. Mm. Go there. Like, remember your freshers week? mm
2: except now you have all the confidence yes and probably don't have sex with as many people or or maybe maybe, we're
4: we're, we're were hoping to get a three bedroom uh, so we could have like our own bedroom maybe then just the sex room
2: (laughs) that would be nice you know I'm not going to comment on that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you can just have sex in your bedroom oh yeah that's true oh not my sheets one else's sheets I don't know what you do at home (laughs) so you're going back to Edinburgh this summer no
4: no, and I'm happy to tell you. When is this thing going out? When is this podcast? Oh, in a month or so?
3: Yeah, it might so might then actually. Yes. Got so a few by months then months it'll be announced. Time. So my okay. tour is extending into the
4: autumn.
3: Oh, oh nice. Yes. I'm doing 50 dates in the autumn. So, wow.
2: Yeah. I am jealous. <laughs> mm, and they're doing it. So I am not allowed to go to Edinburgh. Do you, have a, do you have any big ambitions beyond that? Is it Hollywood? Is it a book? Is it, you oh. know, the Cindy V chat show? Oh, I don't, could you be the new Jeremy Kyle? I don't know. Don't, don't let me put words in your mouth.
3: No, no, please. Um, <laughs> no, actually feel free to uh, put words in my mouth. I want to write a second show as a better comic because all this has just made me a better comic. Mm.
4: And I want to write that show. Amazing! That's what I want to do. I want you to write that show. Yeah, I want, to see I want that you show. to write our
2: show. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Um, oh. oh, amazing scenes! Wow, excellent! Is Is it, I feel like I talked the whole time.
4: Yeah. I mean, well, yes, that's, that's the that's fucking the, point. No, <laughs> but, I don't, but I found out nothing about you. Do oh, I, I talked to for for drink. Yeah.
3: yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. my
1: god, so many. Selling a little or a lot. drinks
2: now we're coming to the end of the podcast and we always finish sindhu with a scummy mummy confession oh god if you would oblige so i put my kid in a jewish nursery all right i put
3: the baby in a jewish nursery because it had the same parking as me <laughs> right do you have any jewish connections no, at all no, i am a None. hindu no no but it was the same parking and they said they took all faith so i was like fine done <laughs> you're in there and then but of course i didn't tell this to them but i did speak about it in her presence so I think this kid kind of blurted out something about it. Now, she was very young. So the headmistress very politely asked me about, you know, oh, you know, and how did you happen to choose this nursery? And she said, you know, she said the kid's name. She said, oh, you know, she's very fanciful. She said that it might have been just because you lived nearby. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I said, you know, I said, well, we've been dealing with this a lot with her at home. Uh, she's a real liar. <laughs> she's a complete liar. And... Uh, you know, I guess because she's the youngest, she's got this problem. And I real I threw my kid under the bus so hard. <laughs> I I'm so ashamed now. Oh I mean, wow! Well. And uh, then I came home. I told my husband. He was like, "What are we gonna do?" I'm like, "I don't know. We gotta paint this kid to be a liar in a couple of other ways. Yeah, <laughs> Let me cement my story down. Yeah, yeah." And she's, you know, the thing is, when they're very young, two, two and a half, it's not gonna affect them. They don't even know what it means. Right. No, they won't remember. But hey, she stayed in the nursery and it was fabulous. I mean, and she did so well and she learned to write from that side to that side. Mm-hmm. So when she went to normal, like to mainstream school, I should say, they thought she was dyslexic because she kept on a write from right oh. to left. Oh, like right. in Hebrew? Yeah, yeah. Because that's what she'd been. <laughs> she was a Hebrew Hindu. Uh, she was a Hindu. Oh, right. <laughs> she was a Hindu. So I had to tell them about that and they were like, oh, why, why was she writing Hebrew? I'm like, ah, long story. <laughs>
2: Yeah. So She's diverse. Just very into diversity, multicultural. Massive, massive. And yeah. like for
3: the first, I think in reception for the first few weeks, every Friday she would go into school and say Shabbat Shalom <laughs> to all the other
2: kids who were like, what? Anyway, but it was great. It was and then great. you'd turn up and speak Danish and everybody would be like, what the fuck is going on in this family? Who the fuck are these people? This is insane. But you know what the
3: best thing is when my when I would go to pick up my first kid, uh they would always call the Pakistan there was a little there was a little Pakistani boy in his class called Fez. They would always say Fez your mother's here. And every <laughs> Lovely. time and every time my husband would go, they would get the blondest kid, Alex. Alex you're <laughs> an a- Aryan child. Yes. Meanwhile, this middle kid got called by nobody's parents. So <laughs> my who was my kid because he was kinda mixed. They were like, Who like that's my mom. It was so fun. <laughs> oh uh, is there anything you wanna plug while you're here, Cindy? Yeah, I do. Um my tour, Sandhog. It's on um in London in May. It's back at the Soho Theatre. It's on at the Underbelly Festival in South Bank. And then it's going to be going on tour um, in the autumn, all over the place. So look out for
4: Sandhog. It's on my website, sinduvi.com. Um, we'll put it in the show notes yeah, and, please and please all your come. Twitter and all your yeah. Instagrams yeah, and things like that and I can't wait to come to your guys show oh. yeah let's do
2: swaps yeah. yeah, we're doing the underbelly as well so you never know oh hey hopefully we're not on at the same time can tour. everyone just come to all our shows please just come yes. to all the shows and yeah. I don't mean like come once I mean to every single every one every yeah, to follow us to Milton Keynes to Cardiff on. to Aberdeen just come to all everywhere of them. I'm going to Lincoln oh this is not going to come out this
3: week but in, uh, in, wherever I go you must come and wherever they go you must go
4: thank God. you Well, is that about it then? I think so. Thank you very much. thank you for having me, guys. You've been so fun. No, you've been amazing. Yes. Well. (laughs) Well.
2: Until next time. Bye-bye. all right Cindy you've, you've okay. made me turn the recorder back on yeah, because okay. you say you've got a better scummy oh, mummy confession so and yours was pretty good so this no no do you, know. you I have no idea so
3: <laughs> I this is a double whammy I was not doing comedy I had only two children and I was asked to host a charity event in my home for um, for a charity that builds schools and libraries in India so very very worthy, uh, worthy. and I did and Great humanitarian. I, well yeah, it was a super yeah. humanitarian. And there were some newspaper people there and it was a big deal and this, that and the other. And I, um, I was very nervous because I had lost all my confidence. Let's be honest. If you're just raising kids and doing nothing else, you become quite diffident about the real world. So, that was, so what I decided to do was I decided to start the evening a little bit earlier than everyone else with some very strong gin and soda because that's what I drink. Mm-hmm. And so my evening went really well. I was glowing, you know, blah, blah. But as the evening went on and other people then started coming and drinking more, I started drinking more and drinking more and drinking more, and it was great. <laughs> and, uh, then went to sleep, and that was fine. And then I woke up in the morning. I was quite hungover, but I took the kids to school. I dropped my daughter. She was very, very little. and dropped her to school. And then on the way back, because I was still a little bit drunk... I thought, let me call a few of my friends, and let's go for brunch. And so we went for brunch, and I said, oh, why don't we have some drinks?
2: And uh, It's been eight hours. <laughs> Come on, guys, let's press and, on. And so they hadn't
3: been to the charity, so they didn't know. And so I, for whatever reason, decided to stay in the strong lane of drinking. So they were drink, I think some of them had like... Um, a mimosa and all, I went straight for margaritas. Mm. Straight full-on margarita. Then I said, let's do it. It's a a nice breakfast drink, margarita. It It is, it is. And then I was like, oh, let's do some shots. It's so crazy. And you know, everyone loves that one mom who will suddenly pull out weed at a play date. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So in that moment, I was that mom. And people were like, oh, this is crazy. Let's do it. I already had quite a high blood alcohol (laughs) level going into this game. Quite a high base, right? And so I got properly, what I think English people say, trollied. Yeah, and fine, no problem. Then uh, went home, said I have a nap, and woke up to my phone ringing. But also, I would spit from my mouth had gone into my ear, it was like ticking <laughs> right? sexy time. And, and I woke up, and my phone was ringing, and it was my daughter's school, saying, um, "Are you coming in to pick her up? <gasps> She's been waiting." And I was like, "Of course." I'm so sorry. My car just. You know, my phone ran out of battery, and I was still just talking. I phone ran out of battery, and my car, I'll just be there. W- washed my face, went a full 52 minutes late for her pickup, and I said, I'm so sorry. And I stood there, and I told, and I repeated to, my, to her teacher the story about, you know, the car and how my phone had no battery. And then my phone miraculously got battery because I turned the car on and the battery was charged so I could charge my phone. I had the story down pat. Wow, yeah. 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 Pat, pat, pat. And then went to pick her up. And um, as I picked her up, the teacher, to her great credit, looked at me and said, fine. And then she said to my daughter, would you like to get your bag? And then as she got her bag, she said to me, I can smell the alcohol on your breath. <gasps> Perhaps you'd like to take a taxi home. <laughs> And I remember thinking, am I going to jail and they'll take away my daughter? So I, in my very sober state, said to her, are you going to tell someone and they're going to take away my daughter? She looked at me. I don't think she realized how drunk I was. When that (laughs) sentence came out, she said, no, I just was wondering whether maybe you should take a taxi. Took a taxi, went home, told my kid, do not tell your dad. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, it just... That was it.
2: But he's here tonight. (laughs) Oh my God. When
3: she said to me, I can smell the alcohol in your breath, because I had told her this elaborate story, which if I had not said anything, she wouldn't have smelled the alcohol. No, 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 because you're going blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And also because when you're drunk, you don't think you're drunk. No. No, you're just funny and confident oh my god so oh, mortifying I'm thinking that that about it that is amazing again. that's amazing oh, that horrible. was worth turning the recorder on back oh, for Singed now it. that I'm thinking about it I feel sick you you've only release? done it what three or four times since no never again never. I literally like just just the idea and of course the friends that I went out with the second day were like oh you're so fun I'm like never speak to me again you bitches but,
2: <laughs> totally it's your fault it's yeah. your of fault it's yeah fault. exactly oh exactly. amazing well cheers margaritas <laughs> yes I, I mean it is 10 o'clock in the morning so let's go